Hey everybody, welcome to the Hoopercast, episode, well, something, I don't know actually, I think it's 211, let's go with that. Episode 211, I think, um, is me, just me, talking about some film news this week. A little bit of context, um, we were originally going to do our Comic Con uh, show today, or this week, and um, we logistically just did not work out. Um, it is now Thursday, uh, the 25th of July, Um Dustin and I cannot get together for the rest of the week. So I want to give you a show this week. It's not about the Comic-Con news um, largely. Um, so if you want to hear us talk about that, that will be next week's show. I realize that's super late by then. But if you're here for us, then you're here for us. And if you're not, then you can't even hear my voice right now anyways. So we're going to do our Comic-Con show. We're going to talk about the Marvel Phase 4 slate. Um, at least primarily that's what I wanted to cover. <clears throat> so I'm going to cover other film news tonight is not Marvel stuff. So if you came here for that, it's not this episode, but here's some other things I thought were cool. Um, just while we had things to talk about, including the weekend box office. So, uh, if you're here after the music, good on you. All right, let, let's get let's get right into it this week. Let's do the weekend box office because um, there's some uh, there's some there's a new player on the scene this week. So over the weekend we had um, some pretty big milestones happen, but let's just go through the top three uh, right now. Number one, the <laughs> the aptly named the Lion King uh, massacres the number one spot, bringing in a weekend gross of 191.7 million dollars. Um, this is John Favreau's, you know, live action, quote unquote, remake of the Lion King starring a bunch of celebrities as the voices of the roles and photorealistic lions. Everything looks real, but it's CG. Um, and it just looks a lot worse in general, but people love it. Made $191 million domestically over its opening weekend. And so far on <laughs> the worldwide box office, this is the opening weekend of this film. It has made $713 million around the world in one weekend. That is... That is crazy. And that is a golf cart or an extremely large bee. Oh, God. Thank God it's flying away. Um, that is crazy money. That's absurd. And it's sad because based on what I know about the film and what I know about the medium they chose to tell this story in, it's an inferior film. And it's kind of sad that it's gotten so much success because it's, it seems so hollow and I'm really cynical about it, but I'm not going to talk about that this week because I haven't seen the film. I'm not going to crap all over it. Um, but it's well noted that Dustin and I said from the beginning that, that this seemed like a, like a cash grab and, um, and, uh, there's a whole bunch of reasons we'll go into it some other point, but I know that you didn't come here and hear me bitch about the Lion King. So anyway, it's made a crap load of money. So good for John. I'm, you know, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm happy. I'm happy for, I'm happy for John Favreau, um, you know, directing Iron Man, Iron Man two. I mean, we, we know John Favreau. Um, he's got plenty of work these days. He is doing well, but just good on him for being the director of a, of a film that opened that well. It's always good for your career. And, um, so I'm happy for him. 
I'm not really happy this movie exists. I don't care that Beyonce has more money due to it, you know, or anything like that. But I do care that John Favreau has another box office box office success under his belt. Um, that's that's good. I like him, so good for him. That puts in the number two spot, number one last week. So uh, week three for Spider Man Far From Home is uh, down to twenty one million dollars on its third weekend. It's about $319 million, almost $320 million domestically total. Um, on the worldwide circuit, though, this is interesting. We've got, it is up to $982 million over the weekend. And like I said, it's now Thursday night. So really, by the time this happens, we'll be counting um, the fourth week's numbers anyways. But what I know now that it's close to Thursday is Spider-Man has crossed the $1 billion mark uh, 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 worldwide this week which is good because that was the whole thing with Sony was that if this film didn't make over a billion dollars, Sony was going to sever the, um, the contract with Disney. Um, and there would be no more, I mean, there'd be, there's one more film on it with, with Tom Holland, but there's, they would, that would be it. That would be the last film you saw of Tom Holland interacting with the Marvel cinematic universe that they would have cut it off, which is stupid, but we covered that in a previous episode. If you want to hear about that whole deal, um, but good for it. That's huge. It's the, I believe the most profitable or, you know, the, the biggest money-making Spider-Man film there is, uh, worldwide, I think. Um, I think domestically the Tobey Maguire, I think Spider-Man one and two, the Raimi ones did better domestically. I think they were in the 400 millions and this is in the low 300 millions, but I think this one did a lot better worldwide. Um, so that's really good. And the fact that it's set in the UK, um, I'm sure certainly helps. So uh, that's good. Good for good for Spider-Man. Good for all that. Toy Story 4 is down to number three this week, down from number two, $15.5 million. This is its fifth week, $376 million overall domestically. Worldwide, that is $868 million. I mean, again, good for... Di- I mean, this. these are three Disney films. Not technically. I mean, Spider-Man's uh, Sony, but... Um, so maybe it's not Disney, but essentially these are all, I mean, Buena Vista and Disney are dominating the box office this weekend. So much money. So, I mean, you know, good for them. It's, it's more just amazing. It's sort of like watching like a hurricane. It's like, this is an unstoppable force of nature. <laughs> I can't do anything about it. I can't control where it goes. I can just stand and look at it in awe as it blows things over and have a healthy respect for its power, but at the same time be afraid of the destruction it can cause. <laughs> and that's how uh, that's how I feel about some of these Disney movies. That, you know, like Toy Story. The two Disney films in the top three this week are are two movies I, I was not excited about: The Lion King 2019 and Toy Story 4. I've only seen one of them. I didn't like it at all. Um, but it's making a crap load of money. So if you can release a movie that's just okay or worse than okay and make a billion dollars. Do you really care how good the movie is? I I wouldn't, (laughs) I wouldn't care. It's just a license to print money, but it's built on the backs of people who created an an intellectual property that people identify with. So this is just going to fuel. This is teaching Disney two things. We can keep making sequels and people will come and we can keep remaking our own properties and people will come. That'll work for a while. It will. But they'll get lazy and lazier. And if the audience gets 
if the audience lowers the bar of quality they're willing to accept from from big studios, we'll get Toy Story 10 and 11 and stuff, you know? They'll wear it out. And as far as they're concerned, like they're they are they are completely profiting off the off, over the backs and the the creative legwork that was done by everyone who made the Toy Story characters lovable, made them who they are. And if they're going to spend 20 plus years just sort of cashing in on that and going back to the well, well, eventually it's going to be, you know, 2030 and we're going to realize, oh, wow, we're sick of this. What else do we have? And then we'll realize, oh, man, we spent 35 years not writing new characters. We have no new IPs. And and, and that'll be um, a, an interesting day, I think. Let's go to what's opening this weekend. So by the time you hear this, it'll be Friday. So what's opening in theaters right now, the big the big fish this weekend is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, the ninth film written and directed by Quentin Tarantino. Um, there's a lot of press about this right now. I'm seeing a lot of articles about Quentin Tarantino's uh, treatment of women in his films. I'm not sure what that's about. But um, this looks okay, and I hear it's okay. Um but uh, it's not going to take the Lion King down. I don't even think it'll take... Uh, it, it'll, it'll, it'll overtake Spider-Man, probably, for the opening weekend. Yeah, probably. Um, I mean, yeah, could it make over $21 million? I think it can. Yeah, it'll make it'll make like $30 million, I bet. About $30 million. That's what I'm guessing. $30 million for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Starring Leo DiCaprio, Brad Pitt, Margot Robbie. Um, yeah, I mean, if you like Tarantino, then you're going to go see it. If you don't, then you, then you won't. And if you're like me, I love Tarantino, but I don't need to see I don't need to see his films in the in the cinema. And I know that would horrify him to hear that, because that's he's one of the filmmakers who really, 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 really does not want the theater experience to go away. But as a consumer, I don't see the urgency in seeing his films in theaters. That's just me. Um, no, it's not just me. It's a lot of people. My wife feels that way. Lots of people I I know feel that way. And uh, kind of getting tired of being made to feel like like an idiot for feeling that way. Like, I don't want to see a movie in the theater if it's anything other than a huge, loud blockbuster. Does that make me shallow or less than or... I don't think so. Um, But big, loud movies with lots of CG are a lot more fun in a theater than they are in your house. That's why you pay to see them in the theater. What is it about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood that I need to see it tonight in theaters? What is it? I I love, like I said, I love Tarantino, but none of his films beg the theater experience, in my opinion. Unless you're going to go see, like when I saw Django Unchained, I saw that at the Crescent, I saw a 35 millimeter print of it. But can I tell the difference? No. <laughs> so there's that. There's that to think about. Anyways, I'm getting a lot of weird tangents today. How about this? Let's go to film news. <laughs> All right. So I said I wouldn't talk about Marvel. The only thing I'm going to talk about that's remotely Marvel related is what was not on the Marvel Phase 4 slate. This is an article in Esquire, and it's essentially about... This writer is claiming the future of Deadpool does not sound promising um, because Marvel's Comic-Con announcement of Phase 4 did not include a Deadpool film. Now, what it also didn't include, spoiler for our next episode, it also did not include an official release date for Black Panther 2 or Captain Marvel 2 or Spider-Man 3. Okay, they announced a lot of movies, like 11 movies, I think. Or 11 projects, sorry, they're not all films. But they also didn't announce a few that we know are coming. 
So just because they announced Deadpool doesn't mean they're not making a Deadpool movie. That's point number one. My much stronger point number two is because there's not going to be one, at least not in the MCU. And here's kind of where we run into this weird dead end, no pun intended, with Deadpool. So when Disney bought Fox, a lot of people's first concern when it came to their content was, great, now they're going to neuter Deadpool or they won't make Deadpool. I remember saying, like, why wouldn't they? Disney likes money. Deadpool makes money. Deadpool makes money because people like Deadpool and they like this treatment of Deadpool. They like this iteration of Deadpool. They like the Ryan Reynolds Deadpool. Disney knows that. So why would they interrupt the money train? Because you think they're uptight about rated R stuff? They they have subsidiaries. I mean, Fox isn't becoming Disney. It's just owned by Disney. You're still going to see the 20th Century Fox label when you see their films come out. Like They're like, oh, they don't, Disney's not going to want an R-rated film attached to their name. It's only attached to their name on paper, dude, and that the checks go to them. But it's not going to be like the the Walt Disney castle and then Deadpool is just going to ride a, a giant wiener <laughs> into that river underneath that train. Like, it's not going to be associated with their name. And again, this is such a public sale that even if it is, like, do you think they care? They're going to make so much money off of Fox. So that's point number two. I don't think that Disney is 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 weird or or feels stigmatized about an R-rated property. I think that's really intellectually dishonest and kind of dumb to to think that they would be. But three, so those are two reasons why, okay, why would why would they not be making it? So like my first two points are really let's not jump to conclusions that because there's no evidence that they wouldn't. Except for point number three. Now, again, some people think they're not going to make a Deadpool movie because Deadpool's, you know, vulgar and violent and um, whatever, and Disney doesn't want that. That's not why they wouldn't make a Deadpool. The reason they wouldn't make a Deadpool movie is, one, well, a lot of reasons, but here's my take on it. And a lot of this is just backed up by, I'm just sort of reading the tea leaves here and, and feeling which way the wind is blowing. The reason the MCU exists so, uh, or succeeds so well is because Marvel has been, with the support of Disney, has been really, really, like, uncharacteristically for a big studio, really focused on story first. And as I pointed out during the box office, that is not always the case. In fact, that is mostly not the case. A big studio wants to make its money back for the project they invested money and resources in. They want to turn a profit. Whole point is to take a property and flip it, make money off of it. And then hopefully people love it and you'll just do it again and again and again. You do less work every time. Okay. That's what they want. That is what they want. They want to, they want all this mailbox money. They want money machines. That's what it's for. So let's get past that. Okay. So to make money, you really don't have to do good story, but what it does do is it creates loyalty among fans. If you do the stories right, you treat them well, you give them really good stuff, you, you know, stimulate their brains a little bit or a lot while also stimulating their eyes. You can give me spectacle and make me think it's possible. It's called good movies. And the Marvel movies are largely excellent for those reasons. And one of the reasons they're excellent is because they are consistent and realistic and um, with their characters and their characters' actions and their characters' arcs and the way they grow and change. 
the Tony Stark arc is one of the greatest arcs in modern movies to me just because of how long it was, how how intricate it was, and how believable it was. Um, it was a joy to watch. So Marvel's focused on character. That's the problem with Deadpool. He's not a character in the two movies he's had thus far. I liked Deadpool 1 a lot more than 2. I hated Deadpool 2. I thought that was dumb. Um, Deadpool 1, they actually gave Wade Wilson a little bit of story, a little bit of reason to care, a little bit of a goal. But it's a revenge movie. And, you know, I'm with it. I get it. But I don't really identify with that character that much. And especially as he becomes more and more of like a cartoon who just who literally winks at the audience you don't really feel sympathy for him as a character. And I, and I don't really care where he goes or how he grows or if he grows. Cause in my opinion, if Deadpool grows, he's less interesting, but he's a gimmick. That's why he's fun as a combo character or a video game character, but it doesn't do much for story and change. Now, Marvel movies as a brand like their, um, irreverent humor more and more. They like their bathos. They like to take these profound moments and undercut them with humor a little bit to mixed results. I don't always like that. But they're obviously not above subversive humor. But Deadpool goes beyond that. Deadpool goes to straight up looking at the audience and, say, and, and, and poking fun at the meta jokes that these characters shouldn't be aware of. And I'm fine with Deadpool doing that because that's his function in the comics. I'm not okay with characters I like who feel like real human beings to me. All it would take is one scene of Deadpool like walking through the camera while um, Hawkeye is talking to the Hulk or the Scarlet Witch or Doctor Strange and this big, oh, hey, you ever noticed that you know you and Iron Man both look like Sherlock Holmes? That would take me out of the movie so fast. And, and I'd never go back in. Because to me, that's a cheap, easy joke. Everyone already knows about it. But two, these characters have no idea what you're talking about. And it just draws my attention to the actor's other credits instead of the character of Stephen Strange or Wanda Maximoff or Bruce Banner, okay? He doesn't, there's no reason to put him in the MCU. There isn't. I'm not interested in him. He's not going to grow, unless he is. But then the Deadpool purists will be mad that you changed him. Or you neutered him because you gave him an actual reason to give a shit and care about people. So to me, there's no way to no way to please everybody. The only way to do that is to keep Deadpool on his own. Keep him in his own universe. Don't let him fraternize with the MCU. But would that please people? Would that be kind of worse too? Well, we'll keep making these movies, but he'll just be on his own. In my opinion, that is better than putting him with the MCU because then at least he still gets to exist. He gets to keep his his shtick and he doesn't mess up or ruin the audience's relationship with any of these other characters. Because I can't take these characters seriously if they're going to stand there and let Deadpool roast them. That's I'm not interested in that at all. I really am not. I, I'd, I'd much more rather Deadpool like crossover and do like a John Wick movie. Like, I'd much rather that. I don't even know if John Wick is a Fox property. I hope it is now. But the point is I don't I don't want to see Deadpool being more comic booky like the Marvel films. I don't want I don't want him I don't want him mixing with them. I don't. I really don't. 
I want him to do more and more realistic and gritty stuff. That's actually what I'm more interested in as like the only superhuman character in some of these other genres. I want to see that. I'd love to see him do John Wick. I'd love to see him in a Fast and Furious movie. I'd just rather see Deadpool in other people's franchises, but the the twist be they are not comic book franchises. They are just other cinematic franchises. Like if we're going to go ahead and jump the shark with some of these big studio films, like we have with Fast and Furious, like we're sort of doing with John Wick, John Wick is getting more and more ridiculous. It is. It really is. Then we may as well let Deadpool be in them. I know that there's no reason to do that. Why? But in my opinion, there's nowhere else to go with this character. If you're not going to evolve his story, then evolve his function within movies and narrative. But don't cry to me about why Deadpool is not in the MCU because I don't want to hear it. I don't care. I'm not I'm not interested at all. Nor am I interested in this other story on Yahoo. Um, actually, this is from 17. Mag- oh, wow. Okay. From 17. Great. Um, there's rumors right now. They're just rumors. Um, but the rumor is essentially that Disney is doing another live action remake. And this time it is of the film Atlantis, the lost empire, which was, uh, came out in the year 2000, I think. Um, and this is about, a a museum, uh, God, what's his name? Cartographer. And his name's Milo Thatch. And he was voiced by Michael J. Fox in, in the animated film. And it's 2d animated and it's about finding the lost city of Atlantis. Um, so it's like an expedition film, and that's pretty cool. Um, the original film was kind of lukewarm in the box office, and critic, but critically, especially as the years have gone by, people have gone back and been like, you know, Atlantis is pretty good. Um, <clears throat> but the remake would star Tom Holland, our little friend Tom Holland, um, as Milo Thatch. Tom Holland, of course, being the current Peter Parker Spider-Man. Um, he's on. He's working with the Russo brothers, the Avengers directors on a film called Cherry coming up. He is in this animated film Onward with um, Chris Pratt, also of the of Avengers and Marvel fame uh, for Pixar slash Disney. So um, he's already sort of really doing a lot with Disney. And he's in one other, he's in another God awful looking movie uh, with uh, animated film with Will Smith about turning, he turns a Will Smith's as like a spy and he turns him into a pigeon or something. It it looks super dumb, but there's Tom Holland and two animated films coming out and being talked about for others. Now he's being talked about for this, which is weird because I kept hearing rumors that he was going to be Nathan Drake from Uncharted. Like they're going to make an Uncharted movie off the video game. And now of course, Mark Wahlberg's too old to play Nathan Drake. So they're like, who's going to play Nathan Drake? And, um, Apparently, like Tom Holland is being talked about. I I don't buy Tom Holland as Nathan Drake at all. <laughs> I would buy like Zachary Levi, I think, who's also expressed interest, like someone like that. Um, or just don't make it. My God. Um, so this is a little bit too close to that. Like you can't play Nathan Drake and Milo Thatch, like these two explorers, archaeologist type people. Like that's not a little bit too close, but good for Tom Holland that he's in these projects so much. I just don't want to see another live action remake from Disney. And I don't see why we have to do it for Atlantis. Like once again, this film exists and unless you're going to put a new twist on it, there is, which isn't even a good reason to make it It's one reason to remake it, but that's, you need like five or six reasons to remake it that aren't money. You can't just say money six times and then make it. That's what they did with the Lion King. And they didn't change anything. Everything that's different is worse. I don't want to see that with this. And I don't want to, I don't want Tom Holland's name to be attached to these cynical 
you know, cash grabs because I think that might hurt a little bit of the Spider-Man brand, to be honest, but they may not care. On to the most feminist uh, headline I've seen in film news this week on IndieWire. Catherine Hardwick is to direct a patriarchy-fighting lesbian Viking movie called Heathen. <laughs> I was not kidding you. Catherine Hardwick, director of uh, 13, really a kind of prolific film of its time. I've not seen 13, but I know the um, cultural significance of 13. Um, it's a big deal. She also directed, I think, the first two Twilight films, definitely the first one. Catherine Hardwick directed Lords of Dark Dogtown, which I really loved. Um, so I like Catherine Hardwick, um, as a director. Um, so Heathen is like a, is a comic book. It's from Vault Comics and it's about, um, it's about a Viking warrior named Adis. I think her name is Adis. Um, but essentially she's gay. She kisses another woman. She's a Viking and her village scorns her and, um, she, I think they exile her. And so she declares like a, like a war against, um, against Odin, um, the God King of Asgard. And it is, um, the series sort of, um, uh, blends, um, feminist and, and gay themes into the, um, into Norse mythology, established Norse, Norse mythology. It's an interesting idea, especially for a comic book. Um, so not that much going on here, except that it's interesting, especially with Odin and Thor still being in the zeitgeist with, um, upcoming projects involving uh, the character of Thor that we'll talk about next week. <clears throat> so I don't know. I, I guess I care as much as, um, I mean, good for Catherine Hardwick, good for, you know, female directors and, and larger projects and, you know, uh, the gay community too, I suppose, getting their, getting, you know, characters that represent them into these films. And, and it, these are definitely the kind of comics you want to draw from to get those stories out there. I mean, I'm not going to get on a soapbox about this, but my whole thing was like, my whole thing is really like, we don't have to change fundamental aspects of characters to sort of, to sort of fit, you know, social causes where there is plenty of source material and stories out there or original stories that you could write where you add these themes in there and make that part of the story instead of trying to change a more popular IP to fit a social cause, find an IP that already champions that make that and make people aware of it and do it that way, which looks like it's what they're doing with, uh, with heathen. So I uh, think good for Catherine Hardwick and good for what studio is this supposed to be? Uh, I don't think it says, Oh yeah, I can't darn it. I should have figured that out. Um, yep. I don't know. I don't know. Um, okay. So there's that. Speaking of upcoming projects, a couple more I thought were cool, and I'm going to get out of here and let you get on to the uh, B-movie review. Um, this is on Cinema Blend. Kevin Smith is writing a new version of Clerks 3. He'd apparently written Clerks 3 years ago, and then um, the project fell apart because somebody dropped out. Um, uh, but essentially, he was talking to people at Comic-Con, and he basically said that Clerks 3 originally was like a lot darker of a film and uh, really went in a different direction. And he just decided it wouldn't be fair to the characters of Dante and Randall to sort of end a trilogy the way that he had written it. So he's essentially writing a new draft of it. So um, hopefully to entice the cash back and give a good send off and a good conclusion to all these characters' stories. Um, Clerks is okay. I don't like it that much. Uh, but again, culturally significant, significant for film. 
very important, as is Kevin Smith. Despite what you think of him or his sensibilities, like he's he's an important piece of the puzzle for for what filmmaking is today. Um, I actually liked Clerks 2 a lot. I think a lot of people didn't like it that much. It might have been more broad than Clerks was. Um, more studio, more mainstream. I liked Clerks 2. I think I owned it for a while, actually. Um, so, would I, again, I don't go to the theater a lot. So, I mean, it's not a surprise to say I would not see Clerks 3 in 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 theaters, but I'd check it out. I'd, I'd be curious enough to see where these characters go. Um, so this should please Kevin Smith fans. Um, and maybe you wanted a super dark third movie, but I think when he wrote that, that's what was in vogue. Like all films were going gritty and dark. And I think maybe that's what drove his sensibility to go that route. And now we're sort of back to wanting hope to return to films. And, uh, I think that will be reflected in his revised, his uh, revised draft of clerks three. So, Definitely interested in where that project goes. Um, but that's good. That's good that he's making that. Um, last thing I want to talk about tonight is just a tiny little thing. Uh, just another upcoming project that I'm interested in. Um, so I don't think it's too new of news, but it's probably not wide known that um, the Saw movies are getting re- you know rebooted. And the person creatively behind, the, behind these new Saw films is Chris Rock. Um, but as a, as a performer, I don't think he's directing or he might just be producing and maybe co-writing some of these, but, um, we weren't going to get them for a few years. I had vaguely heard about this and I was like, okay, cool. I'll wait for a trailer. But these, the release date's been announced. It was, there was actually going to be October 23rd, 2020. And now it's moved up to May 15th, 2020. So in about nine months, we're going to get a new Saw film all over again. And it's starring... Chris Rock and Samuel L. Jackson and um, and uh, a couple of other actors that uh, I don't really recognize by name. What's interesting, though, is that you may think, like, oh, my God, so we're just going to reboot Saw. That's great. The creators of the franchise are in on this. James Wan and Lee Wanell are executive producers on the new Saw, and it's going to be directed by Darren Lynn Bousman, who directed Saw 2. Um and Pete Goldfinger and Josh Stolberg, who wrote the script for the Jigsaw movie a few years ago, they're coming back to write the script for this one. They're working with Chris Rock. He's going to be like this detective. It's interesting. And we could do those movies better. And I think Chris Rock, again, I, I trust the, I trust it in his hands simply because I think that that franchise and that intellectual, that IP just sort of got away from them. And it just became this sort of like this cash cow. Let's just keep making Saw movies. They're cheap. They make a whole lot of money. And sort of like paranormal activity films, they just became this thing where you could flip them and turn a huge profit because people would just keep coming back and seeing them, no matter how ridiculous the story was. So I hope that what's coming out of these new films is a little bit more of a believable and interesting plot with these horror elements. You know, I, I, I would be open to turning up for that. Just as long as that damn pig mask isn't in there. God, it freaked me out. I did not like that. All right. That's going to do it for film news. I'm going to run to the break. When we come back, my daughter and I are going to talk about B-Movie on Netflix. Yes, the Jerry Seinfeld animated film. So if you have not been watching that movie for the past 12 years, we're going to tell you why maybe you should. Check it out. It is on Netflix. We'll be right back. Hoopercast Movie Hour.
How's it going? Good. How are you? I'm great. Let's talk about uh, the B movie. <clears throat> B movie. This fall, I gotta say something. You like jazz? <gasps> You're talking to humans. You're flying outside the hive. Barry B. Benson. So you see soda spilled on a sidewalk and you don't drink it? Is a little bee. He's not bothering anybody. Get out of here, you creep. Discovering a big secret. How did this get here? It's just honey, Barry. This is stealing. Cute bee. Golden Blossom. Ray Liotta Private Select. I'm going to get to the bottom of this. You have a plan? Yes. Plan B. He's brave. Do you like this movie? I do. Do you think it's funny? Yeah, when the when she when the girl slaps the bug, when it's it's funny, and when and when Barry is like that, it's funny too. Well, the people listening can't see Barry. What do, what what is he doing right now? We're looking at the the cover art for one of the he's, movie posters. He's on a ball. Yeah, he's on a he's, tennis ball. He's scared. Yeah, he's really scared. He better get off. Yeah, what's he doing over there? In in the. And Ken is about to blast him up, and he's still scared. So, for anybody listening who has not seen B-Movie, I'm shocked if you don't know what it is, but B-Movie is an animated film uh, uh, co-written by and produced by and starring... That says Honey just just got funny. That's right. And it's, uh, Jerry Seinfeld is the is the leading talent in this movie, um, and he plays a bee named Barry who graduates from college. And in he, when bees graduate college, they go to work for the hive making honey. And he doesn't want to do that because that's just not what he wants to do with his life. So he tries to kind of rebel against he, that. But but in the work room, um, um, his his cousin said. You have to have the same job for the rest of your life. Right. Mm-hmm. Isn't that weird? Yeah. Did, what if somebody told you that, that you had, there's only one job you could do and you had to do it for the rest of your life? How would you feel about that? Um, mommy has the same job for the rest of her life. But... <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> you have two jobs for the rest sure. of your life. No, yeah. that's not happening for the rest of my life either. <laughs> I hope I don't not. have a job yet. Um, no. all my job is is just school. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, but if somebody told you if 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 there was a job, if there was only one job you were allowed to do, and you didn't want to do that job, and somebody told you that that was the rest of your life, would you be happy about that or sad? A little sad, but but when I start enjoying it, I could do it. But if it's okay, if I get tired. But if I get tired of it, if it's okay if I leave my old job, so if if somebody wants to do my old job, I'll pick their fun job. You have such a positive attitude about that. Not there's not a lot of people who could actually make it work in a situation like that. That's really good, kiddo. Uh... <laughs> All right. Well, anyway, um, so he eventually Barry eventually runs into a human a human woman. Um, Vanessa, and Vanessa. he she saves his life because her boyfriend is about to smush him, and she saves his life. You mean you mean Adam? Yes, Adam. So Adam is about to tries to kill Barry because he's a bee, and Adam's mean. And Vanessa saves Barry's life, so Barry goes back to her house to thank her, right? Mm-hmm. And then <clears throat> he talks to her, and an- animals aren't he supposed goes to. to his- own home, and then in yep. the morning, sometimes he he meets her. What's, what's her name again? Vanessa. Oh. Anyway, he goes to her house to try and thank her, and he, he talks to her, and you're not supposed to talk to people. That's like her rule. 
So he talks to her and they become friends. They start hanging out, right? Together. And that's right. And um, and then they go to the grocery store one day and he sees all the honey on the shelf. And they're, he's like... They're stealing, they're stealing honey. And he says, what is this? What is this honey? And they're stealing honey. <clears throat> well, that's what Barry thinks. Because Barry's a bee and they make the honey. And so he, he's kind of mad. He, he, he stealed the... Some, some of the people in the restaurant steal the honey. Well, when bees make honey... Human beings go out there and we collect it and then we sell yeah, it. Yeah, but the real bees um, that that made honey for us tastes so good. I know, right? It tastes way better. Some of that honey out there is not even real, but the real honey is really good. Anyway, um, so Barry gets mad and he he thinks that his rights are being violated. So Barry actually sues the entire human race for stealing honey and exploiting bees and treating the bees poorly. Like he flies to a bee farm and he looks at all the bees on the bee farm and they're being they're, the people are using a smoker on them to get them out of the hive and and they're doing all these uh, you know crazy things to the bees and Barry is terrified and so he he goes to a judge and he sues the human race and he he ends up winning. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the bad so, guys don't win. And so then because Barry wins, when, when when Barry wins, um, Adam is happy that he wins. Yeah, well, and then he doesn't become mean. Well, again. we don't want to tell anybody everything, but here's what happens though: when Barry wins, when Barry wins the lawsuit, then the human beings aren't allowed to to take honey anymore. Mm-hmm. And that's and that's and that's really fair. Well, it seems that way, but then when when bees stop pollinating plants the plants start to die all around the world and it and then there's look, a there's and it a, doesn't look beautiful no and it's bad because we eat plants and we need plants to live and um plants make oxygen they make the air we breathe like they keep they keep us alive and uh so barry sort of learns the ripple effect of what happens when he when he sort of breaks we this need plants in our yard but well, if we they, could grow plants in our yard, we certainly could. could. Grow, they could grow by themselves in summer. Well, it just you have to take care of them, though. But if there's no bees, then there's no plants. So Barry sort of learns how important bees are, and uh, he realizes he made a terrible mistake, and he tries to correct it. Anyway, that's like the pretty much the story start to finish of Bee Movie. And what I like about this movie, Amelia, is that for an animated movie for a kids movie that's really just supposed to be fun and funny and kind of light and 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 entertaining and exciting it actually has a pretty interesting premise um when this movie came out um it didn't do that well like in terms of money like yeah. the it it did okay with money but a lot of the critics those are the people who decide you know whether they like the movie or not a lot of the critics didn't like the movie either because they just said that the that the story was dumb or the this or that was dumb. They they were all let down, and I don't understand that because I really enjoyed this movie. I like it too. I know, like it. it, it the other anim- people are getting tired of this movie. The other the other um, the other people are, are are about to get tired of this movie. Maybe except for me or you or Noah or mommy. Yeah. Well, for the movie kind of looks a little cheap, like the animation has not aged that well. I'll say that about it. But I think that Jerry, I think Jerry Seinfeld's funny in it. I think Barry's funny. I think the story's interesting. And um, it's uh, it's always good, in my opinion, when a kid's movie can inject some sort of um, 
moral or lesson or something. And maybe this one doesn't really do that. But what it does do is it kind of teaches people like, yeah, what would happen if bees stopped making honey? And like, like, let's make a kid's movie about how important bees are. That's pretty interesting, you know, and that's actually a lot smarter than a lot of the animated films that were coming out at the time, you know, this mm-hmm. is a lot smarter than that. So if you, if somebody asked you, if someone came up to you and said, Hey, Amelia, I'm looking for a good movie to watch this weekend. Um, what do you think I should watch on Netflix? Would you tell them to, um, they should watch B movie? If you want to watch B movie, it will be fun. And if you think they can stop making honey and you'll, and you'll, 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 sometimes you'll get tired of this movie, but I like it too. And, and sometimes you could watch The Lion King. Okay, we're going to sneak in a plug for The Lion King there. Okay. <laughs> All right, well, that's B-Movie then. We like B-Movie. Yeah. Pleasant surprise on my part. The first time I saw Woo! this movie. Woo! <laughs> yep. All right, cool. That's it. I feel good. Do you want to talk about The Lion King someday soon? Wait, no, no, no. We'll get it in a minute. Get it in a minute. We're almost done. Do you want to talk about The Lion King someday soon? Mm-hmm. Okay, we'll do that. We'll do that in protest of the new one. How about that? Sure we can. All right. All right. Good night, everybody. See you next week. See you tomorrow next week. Woo!